You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Damn it. <laughs> it's been so long since he's been here. Yeah. I talked right over it. I'm here. Aaron's here. Tommy is here. And he's back from another vacation. God, you've had more vacation than Carson used to get. Um, this show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them that we told you to call. Kevin, I won't be here next Tuesday. Of course not. I'll be in spring training. Uh, I'm going back down. Are you really going yes, back I down? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm going back down to do the show with Chad. I'm, you you have decided and, and that is, as long seven. as the forecast is for colder <laughs> than normal temperatures, you're not going to be here. No, so I won't be here next Tuesday. All right, we'll enjoy that. But you you can call in. I'll call in. Okay, very Absolutely, good. if I remember the number. Um, how was Florida? Oh, it was great. It was fabulous. I mean, 86 degrees and sunny mm. every single day. It'd be 80 degrees by... When I walk out of my hotel at 7.30 in the morning. I need a vacation right now. It was so good. I really, I need to, you know what? I, I started to talk. My my boys have different spring breaks right now, so it didn't really sync up where we could all go away at the same time. Maryland's got a different spring break than Penn State. My youngest son, who's at Penn State, they, they have spring break this week. Who has spring break the first week in March? It's a bit early, don't you think? I would think so. What I, what, but, here's what I don't understand. Why do any of them or anyone else in your family has anything to do with your vacation? Do you want to know why? Because I actually like vacationing with them. (laughs) I would rather they be with us rather than it just be my wife and I. No, I'm kidding. I love you, honey. You need to break the cycle of function. You're right. I do. I do. I need more dysfunction. Yes. I need I need something different. <laughs> I'm having a midlife crisis. I do. Th- this I, is the moment he decides to open a sports book and completely change his life. There you go, baby. The, the problem Speaking is Speaking of sports book, wh- Kevin. What? You know what I found in my wallet that I forgot about? A ticket, a winning ticket? The first day uh the uh Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Sportsbook was open. Right. I went out to write a column, I about remember it. that. Yeah, and I figured I, I should, you know, make a bet, see how the process goes, and stuff like that. So the I, I bet the the over under on the Redskins season wins was six point five at the book, and I bet the over for two thousand nineteen. Yeah, that's really interesting because remember last week when I was trying to figure out what the over under on wins were for the Redskins in 2019, and I couldn't find it anywhere. No, no, no. No, no I'm in 2018. Oh, for 18, 18 and yes. you took the over. I took and the so over. So I, you've I, got I, a ticket to yeah, cash. Yeah, I got a ticket to cash. Yeah. I just found it. Well, you usually only have a year. Like, there's an expiration date on that oh, ticket. Oh, I know. I know that. So you better get back there and uh, cash I, it. I'm pretty sure I'll wanna, be back at Charlestown soon. You want to go? Let's go together. Okay. Let's seriously, let's pick a night okay. where we leave, or an afternoon, we leave right from here, we go to Charlestown. Tell me real quickly. March Madness. Huh? March Madness. March Madness would be good. I don't want to watch the Maryland March Madness game there, though. So whichever, the so Thursday whichever, or Friday. What, what Maryland March Madness game? In the whenever whenever they play their first <laughs> tournament game. Oh, okay. I think he's, they're he's, in the tournament. You realize that? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, how are the casinos? I mean, I, I haven't been there. Well, the sports book it, it's 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 not huge. It's not Vegas like. I don't care about the sports book. Okay. What are the? Oh, well, the do, casinos are good. The yeah. Hollywood casinos great. It really look and and the library lots of dice tables, yes. lots of card tables. Yes, they, they've right. it, it, it's a first class operation. 
I know that's important to you because you're a first class kind of guy. Do they have a a room for people like me to go to <laughs> to play in? Yes, they do. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, they do. Um, and and by the way, they have live racing. I don't know if it's every night, but they have live racing. I too. love live racing. Yeah, absolutely. You, I, you, I, I hate simulcasts. I love live racing. You know, it was I don't know. It was six or seven years ago. I think I may have told you the story. Um, Pimlico. Uh, I'm sorry, Laurel was still open. Laurel's not open anymore. Laurel's right? still open. Man, you live in a bubble. I do. Um, so Laurel, it was because I used to go when I was younger. I went you know, to that's Laurel where they the put. That's where they want to put the Preakness. I know. That, that, that's right. That's right. Okay. I'm sorry. I was getting, wh- where did they have um, Rosecroft? Rosecroft is, Rosecroft is still open. It, it is still yes, open. Yes, it is. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. Because remember, didn't you and I do we did something? A show. We did some We show. did a show at we Rosecroft. We did a show from Rosecroft. Well, uh, this is seven or eight years ago. It may be ten years ago. It's probably more like ten years ago. Um, I took the boys once, one afternoon out to Laurel just to watch the horses run. And Tommy, I swear to God, I was one of maybe 25 people there. It yeah, was it's, empty. It's, it's not like it used to be. I mean, Kevin. when I was in college, we went all the yeah, time. I, I, I mean, we would, we would go Laurel, we'd, we'd do Pimlico, then we'd go to Atlantic City for the night, and then we'd come back the next day. We had issues, well, actually, lots of issues. Actually, now when you go to the track, it's it's like a daycare center. It's filled with ki- with parents with kids. Well, you know what? Who that, shouldn't be there? Right. <laughs> what, what the parents are, are have issues? It, it's not to everybody. Tommy, there was no like when I when I went. And this is again ten years ago. The degenerate factor that wasn't even there. Oh, it's there. It is. It, it's oh, it's it's the Greyhound bus station. Yeah, degenerate right. Factor. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. All right. Um. Something very quick to to start the show, and then we're we're going to get into something uh, more about the Redskins' overall efforts here in the off season with respect to quarterback. And we're going to go through all the options. But I wanted to just mention there was a person in my life, a good friend of mine, um, who a good friend. You have a good friend. Yeah, I have a lot of good friends. I probably have more friends than you have, actually. When Look when I think that. about it. Look at that. Um, <laughs> I got more friends than you do. <laughs> um, you can be difficult. I'm, I'm much easier than you. Uh, there was a friend of mine reached out to me and said, you and Cooley never mentioned Ryan Tannehill yesterday. What about the report about Ryan Tannehill? And, and if you were following all the news this weekend, there was a report that, you know, my, from a Miami reporter that the Redskins were talking to the Dolphins about Ryan Tannehill, about trading for Ryan Tannehill. We did actually mention it yesterday, but it was brief. And the reason it was brief is because there is no chance in hell that the Redskins will trade for Ryan Tannehill. He has an $18 million cap number next I think it's $18.7 million base salary and cap number next year. It can't happen. Now, if Miami, so, so it's beyond their level of stupidity, even beyond theirs. Well, they, I mean, they wouldn't be able to do it without just starting. I mean, they'd have no, no no money left for anything else. This, this is why they have the genius Eric Schaefer on board. I know to figure these things out. But a friend of mine made this point, and this is why I brought this up. I think most of you realize that they can't trade for Ryan Tannehill. He 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 did say, well, what if Miami cuts Tannehill? Well, that's different. Yeah. And the, and he said Tannehill is much more in line with Jay Gruden and the kind of quarterback he likes to coach than anybody else out there, Josh Rosen or any of the other quarterbacks that have been that have been talked about. Tannehill really is Dalton and Alex Smith in the right situation. 
I actually totally agree with that, and I've always felt that way about Ryan Tannehill. I don't think he's great, just like I don't, I don't think Andy Dalton or Alex Smith are great. But I think in the right system with the right coach, they can be very effective quarterbacks. I can, I I can buy into that. I would have preferred Dalton last year to Alex Smith, but you would have had to probably give up more and potentially well Cincinnati I don't think was interested in in trading him but anyway yes if he became available because Miami has to release him which they will likely have to do because they can't really trade Ryan Tannehill so if they cut him yeah the skins could sign Tannehill to you know a one-year deal bring him in and have him compete with Colt McCoy for the starting job which would would make that's a possibility so which would basically say give them a quarterback who you think can be pretty effective in this system without having to give up anything in return. That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So um, if the Dolphins cut him, that's a possibility if the Redskins haven't made a move yet on their quarterback spot. Tannehill, I will tell you, would not solve the one thing that I believe now is in play um, with the owner, which is we need a marketing jolt. We need need some juice here in the offseason. That is definitely in play. Um, So... This is what I wanted to do to to uh, do to start the show with you because we haven't talked about the quarterback situation together. I did it yesterday with Cooley and JP, but I want to go through all of the potential moves or options that the Redskins have at quarterback. You mean scenarios? Scenarios, okay. yes, and then have us guess on which one we think the you know which route they will take. There are there may be more than this, but I came up with five obvious options or routes to solving the quarterback problem. All right. Option number one is the, they don't do much option. Colt McCoy, they re-signed Josh Johnson or another veteran journeyman quarterback like a Brock Osweiler or a Geno Smith or a Josh McCown, somebody of that ilk um, to perhaps compete with Colt, but really more likely than not bring them in to back Colt up. And then they can, you know, either draft a quarterback in the third through seventh round, not the quarterback that they, you know, we, we, we deem to be the quarterback of the future, but just a developmental quarterback, or they sign an undrafted quarterback uh, in free agency. All right, so that's option, option number one. Option number one is they don't really do much option. All right, it's Colt, it's Josh, or it's Colt, and it's Osweiler, and they bring in a third quarterback because they draft him in the fifth round or they sign him as an undrafted free agent. Now... At to, least to have in training. Now, camp. not to not to make my final judgment, but I kind of like that option. But that option is going to get you kicked out of Dan Snyder's office. I think right now it might get you booted out of Dan yeah. Snyder's office. Yeah. More on that here in a moment. Option number two. Option number two is free agency for a legit competitor to McCoy, if not a likely starter in 2019. Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Tannehill, if he were cut by Miami. Um, Bruce Allen did seem to indicate last week in that interview at Indy that free agency for a quarterback was sort of in play. And Jay Gruden even said, look, you know, we can wait on this too and get somebody. And I I don't know if that's a, we're going to wait until Bruce can nickel and dime Josh Johnson's agent a little bit more. Um, Or, you know... Look, they they do think they're close. We know that. So they may think Ryan Fitzpatrick on a one-year deal with Antonio Brown in a trade, uh, you know, Antonio Brown via trade, Ryan Fitzpatrick via free agency on a one-year deal worth, I don't know, 
five, six, seven million for Fitzpatrick. I, I, the Fitzpatrick number is going to be interesting because it depends on if he's going somewhere to back somebody up or if he's going somewhere to start. But you know, I, they may think that Ryan Fitzpatrick, along with an Antonio Brown, gives them a legit chance to completely be different offensively next year. And you know what, Tommy? In terms of talent and ability and experience, if you threw Ryan Fitzpatrick together with Antonio Brown, with Adrian Peterson and Darius Geis, and Jordan Reed's healthy, and by the way, Jordan Reed plays better than he did last year. He didn't play that well last year when he was healthy because he played a lot of games. I put that more on Alex Smith and the quarterbacking than I do on Reed. Um, but yeah, they would have a much improved offense. They would. I'm not saying it's a playoff offense, but they would have an improved offensive football team next it's, year. It's, so hard. That, you, it's hard to debate that. You can't add uh, a gunslinger like Fitzpatrick. He is a gunslinger. Yep. He can be an erratic gunslinger, but he's a gunslinger. That's right. And and a guy out there running those balls down like Antonio Brown and not say it, it's going to improve your offense. So option one is the don't do much option. Right. You know, Option two is free agency for a legitimate starter or at least – you know, somebody that they think is going to compete with Colt and beat out Colt, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Teddy Bridgewater. Um, option number three is to draft someone early. You keep Colt, but you draft somebody early. So whether it's at 15 or you trade up to draft Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins, or perhaps you trade back and draft Daniel Jones in yeah, the first round. I think round. that's a reasonable option, but trading the, back. But option three is that they're going to draft their next quarterback, if not their starter for 2019, or at some point during 2019, and they're going to take somebody in the first or second round with the intention of that quarterback competing and starting for a job sooner rather than later. That's option three. All right? You following along? Yeah, I'm with you. Option four is that they sign that free agent like the Ryan Fitzpatrick or the Teddy Bridgewater and they draft somebody early. All right? So it's Teddy Bridgewater and they draft Daniel Jones at 15 or they or they trade back and they draft Daniel Jones or in the second round they take Ryan Finley or in the third, you know, in the second round, late second round they take Jarrett Stidham. So it's a sign the free agent to start, all right? in 2019, but draft somebody also. So you have some choices, which by the way is not a bad, you know, sort of direction that some teams like Philadelphia in recent years have taken Yes, where they bring in more and then they figure it out when you have them all in there. And the rookie quarterback isn't going to cost you much. And a veteran free agent, potentially like a Ryan Fitzpatrick may not cost you that much. All right. So that's option four, sign a free agent, a legitimate free agent that you think can start next year and draft somebody. And then option five is trade for Josh Rosen. Those are your five options. Option one, the don't do much option. Option two, free agency for a Fitzpatrick or Teddy Bridgewater. Option three, draft somebody early. Option four, sign that free agent like a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Teddy Bridgewater and draft somebody early. And then option five, is trade for Josh Rosen. Did I miss any? I'm sure you did. but uh, it, it, You're it, sure I did? Yeah. In, in terms of uh, being kind to me and everybody else listening, let's leave it at five options. <laughs> okay, good. Okay? What's, your, what's your answer? Uh, well, one is out, even though I think one for a normal team would be a good way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, that don't do much options. Right. But, uh, you know... 
I mean, they've got to have somebody show up at the stadium. The, I want you to choose what you think they're going to do. We can have the conversation okay. about what we would prefer. Okay. But what do you think they will do? So you think one is out I for I think them. they'll do five. Trade for Josh Rosen? Yeah. Okay. Now, now the, the big question here is, what do you know about Josh Rosen? Uh, I keep reading and hearing that if, if Josh Rosen was in this draft, he'd be at minimum the second highest rated quarterback in the draft. If that's true, then that's who you go after. Yeah. I mean, uh, Cooley was on, did a film breakdown of Josh Rosen yesterday. If you missed that, listen to it. Uh, it was our longest podcast ever yesterday. We were over two hours. Um, but uh, the, the the stuff with Cooley yesterday, not only on Josh Rosen, but on Drew Locke um, and Dwayne Haskins was really good as well. Um, so you think they'll trade for Josh Rosen. If they had him on the board this year as the second-rated quarterback, that's important. Yeah. But more important is where they would have him on their overall board. If I'm the Redskins at, when it comes to Josh Rosen, I am putting him into the 2019 draft class and putting a grade on him for the board. Yes. Because if the grade is the second highest you know, quarterback, but he, they've got 35 players rated ahead of him overall, well, then that's a second-round grade. You know, and so you don't want to give up. You don't want to deviate from your board. If oh, you... I, I disagree with that. We've had this argument for years. I know. I know. You I I think this idea of drafting the best player available is is ludicrous. I know you and you and, but not general managers in the NFL. Well, no, there are successful. general managers who recognize no, that you not, draft not, need. You cannot find one general manager that would ever tell you that he drafts by need. Not one. No, they won't tell you that, but they do. Okay. Well, they, they that's a that, that's stupid. It's a bad way to go. No, it's not stupid. It is Kevin. stupid. It's, it's dumb. not stupid. It's because, dumb. I because, love when I when I do that to me. Yeah, it's so angry. well because when you use those technical football terms, I don't understand them. <laughs> There's they're very they're very. I go deep yes. on technical terms. Tommy, context. All right. If it's really close, like really like you got a 93 on one guy and a 92 on the other and the 93 is a player that you you've got the position filled and the 92 is a need you take the need there but if it's a 93 and an 83 you don't take the 83 I would disagree I know you would um and that's why you aren't a general manager and I probably could wouldn't be either um, <laughs> all right you want my answer on this yeah all right can I can I give you a little bit of um sort of preface what my answer is with so a couple you want of things. So you want to introduce your answer. I want to introduce my okay, answer. Okay, go ahead. Um, the introduction to the answer goes like this. Uh, first of all, you know, all of these options that we've laid out are not within their control. Some of them aren't within their control. And think about this because you'll remember this. These are players and teams that in some cases may have better options than the Redskins. Absolutely. And I will add to this, and I think you're going to like this, that negotiating with Bruce Allen isn't something that agents in particular prefer. Remember the poll? Oh, yeah. That indicated that the Bruce least, Allen... The least trustworthy uh, NFL executive. Manager. Yeah. All right. He was, the, he was voted the least trusted NFL exec in the league. So it's not a within their control situation, unless they were to massively overpay for somebody or in a trade. Um, I think desperation has set in. And I talked about this yesterday on the podcast. As far as the business of the franchise right now, 
Tommy, I said yesterday that I think, you know, Dan now is looking around at Bruce and Jay and Eric and Doug and saying, you numbnuts have cost me millions the last few years doing it your way. We need a marketing jolt. We need something we can sell. And I think Dan's ready for some real action. Some real Charlestown action. That's what I think. <laughs> some Hollywood old, some action. Some old school Dan Snyder he, uh, action. He needs some jerseys he can move, some tickets he can sell. They do think they are close. Delusionally so, but they think they are close. Well, we don't know what close means. I mean, you know, I think they may be close to being in an NFL franchise, but they're not quite there yet. <laughs> they, they might think they're close to being a playoff team. They do. They, as opposed to a championship contender. I would think that that's probably true, which, by the way, is bothersome in its own right. Well, in that, a way, that they're most just, that, NFL teams are close to being a playoff team. That is true. So That is 100% yes. true. Um, but they were many games out of the playoff spot two years ago. Yes, they were. And, you know, a game out last year. Um, and other teams were pretty close as well. I, first of all, because this is important, the Antonio Brown thing is interesting to me because I think if they were the team to pull it off, and I don't know that they will be, but if they were the team to pull it off, and I do believe they're interested. Yeah, so do I. Um, then I see as the answer to our question of the five options, the don't do much option, all right, the which is option one, the free agency for a Ryan Fitzpatrick or Teddy Bridgewater option two, the draft somebody early option three, the option four is sign a free agent and draft somebody, and then number five, trade for Josh Rosen. I see the free agent and draft someone option. If if you're going to trade for Antonio Brown. With Antonio Brown. In other words, number four. I'm sorry? No, the fourth option. The fourth option. I would agree with you. I think, look, now they're going to pay Antonio Brown, or are they just going to leave him with his contract the way well, he is? they don't have to pay They him. don't have to pay him. But you might But have... you don't want that guy unhappy. I know. <laughs> There's a, I wouldn't do the Antonio Brown for a lot of no, those well, reasons. Well, I would do it just because it's the Redskins. I, know. I, but, I said but that if it You was, would love it. If it's a reasonable franchise, I'm not going to do it, particularly in their situation. But I think what what you're saying is you got to have something to sell Antonio Brown in a way. And you know to have him, you've got to sell him a veteran quarterback that's going to throw him the ball next year that he believes will get him the ball. And that's not – look. As much as I love Colt, you can't sell Colt on that. Exactly. You know? That's a big part of it, that if you had an Antonio Brown, a- Antonio Brown might get excited about a Ryan Fitzpatrick. you got to convince um, him, yeah, this guy, we'll get you the ball. Yeah, he, he can get you the ball. So so if you went Ryan Fitzpatrick, Teddy Bridgewater, in my preference would be Fitzpatrick um, of, of the two, if for, for one year. And you went on a one-year deal, you know, and you drafted somebody. Okay, so you're going to draft somebody – Early enough that that's your quarterback yeah. of the future. Yes. Right? That's your quarterback of the future. But I think Dan would want Rosen. But I think, you know, Bruce and Doug and Jay and Eric and, you know, Kyle may be able to say, look, the Rosen tape ain't great from last year. You know, I personally, Tommy, I, I was, I've been a fan of Josh Rosen. I think he eventually will become a good NFL so quarterback. Do I? I do too. I, I don't, what you saw last year, it's hard to judge. I would never judge it on numbers. You got to judge it on what you know he, you think his abilities are. But I think that they will say he's too far off. It would be a big jolt, but we can't, we can't put him out there next year 
with this group and really expect what we could expect with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick may not be as big a marketing jolt, but in combination well, Antonio Brown with Antonio is the marketing Brown, jolt. it would be. So, Brown, and, Brown's presence is, is what – and again, I think we're all overstating this because even uh, – save for Kyler Murray, which obviously is not going to happen, uh, but even if it did – my my instincts tell me that this fr- this this fan base is so damaged that it's a long way from a marketing jolt. Oh, I agree with you. I'm but from their perspective, yes. from his perspective, he thinks I'm going to go back to doing what I used to do, winning March, winning April, and let's get some tickets sold here, and let's get some 84 jerseys out on, on the racks and out on, on yeah, the website. I, I could see that. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think that that's going to answer their big question. Winning is going to answer that. And, and, consist- and, it, may not, and, and it may have and, and, to be multiple years yes, of winning at this point. Yes, I think so. Now, for, the Fitzpatrick thing is interesting to me because he can play. Like, like if you put some stuff around him, he's going to break your heart six, seven, eight times a year. He's also going to have some of those Ryan Fitz magic games where he throws for four or five <laughs> touchdowns and 480 yards, yes. especially if you got a couple of weapons. He had some weapons in Tampa. Oh, yeah, he did. All right. So I also think for a guy like him, if you had, you know, some talent, like you were bringing in some talent, you know, this would be the opportunity for him to start. Other opportunities he's going to look at are going to be backup opportunities, more likely than not. Um, I don't know what it'll cost him. That's the one thing, and I was trying to figure it out yesterday. I, I talked to a few people. One guy said he could get $10 million for one year, and another guy said he could get $3 million with a bunch of incentives, depending on the situation. Well, let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick for a second. First of all, he's a smart guy. He's an Ivy League guy, okay, who's probably played in the NFL longer than he ever expected. Oh, yeah. Okay, so at this point, if I'm thinking with his brain, I'm just thinking about how much money can I make wherever it is. I don't even care if I start. At this point in my life, in my career, I just want to get paid the most money I can. So I think that's that's going to be his decision. Whoever pays him the most. That doesn't, that, that makes sense. You know, he is... I didn't even check on I mean, his age. These he's got to be his prime. Uh, right now, he, he he's on the tail end of his prime earning years. Probably he's got to be in his late thirties, right? Hold yeah, on, he has on, to be. On. He's got to be thirty five, thirty six. He's thirty six. He's okay. thirty six years old. He'll turn thirty seven during the season next year. And he probably made more money last year than he ever did. I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think he made more money. Not as Jameis Winston's backup. Um, right? There's no way he was making That's more money true. last year. Uh, as true. a backup. So, you know what? That's a really fair point, which means that he's going to, that Washington may not have the most money. But anyway, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Bridgewater or maybe Tannehill after he gets cut, not for trade. Um, but, you know, from their perspective, and you draft a quarterback for the future, you know, you draft, you somehow you figure out a way to trade back to 25 and take Daniel Jones. So now you got Brown. Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones. They signed Landon Collins because he wants to play where Sean Taylor played. And, you know, you, you make a bunch of cuts to increase the cap availability. You add some young players via the draft. You sign that, Brandon Sheriff. Well, they're, they're going to extend him. And okay. that would that would be a benefit for the cap in 2019. Yes. But that would be an offseason I think they believe they could sell. 
I don't think the Rosen thing happens. I just don't think that the football people are going to look at Rosen's tape from last year and say, that's our answer. It may be the answer in 2022 or 2021, but it's not the answer in 2019. Um, again, on Rosen, if they really are interested, the, the the exercise they should be going through is put him on the 2019 draft yes, board. exactly. Where, where, where is, is he? Where on is our big fitted? board, where is he? Is he number 16 or is he number 87? You know, forget the ranking of quarterbacks. Well, I think that's what you need to consider. I wouldn't because they've got so many other needs. And and but and I think Rosen would be the best long-term deal, but you're right. They they're they're probably thinking next year. What can we do? Especially since if you really believe that Jay Gruden's job is in jeopardy, he's got to be thinking about next I year. I think the Antonio Brown and Josh Rosen stories are an indication, and I mentioned this yesterday, that Snyder cannot do another year of the revenue number that they've done. I'm not talking about the TV revenues, all the other stuff that they keep, um, that he can't do that another year. And that, you know, Bruce is feeling some heat. You know, it, this is not a Bruce era. Bruce wants to nickel and dime. I don't know okay? if Bruce is feeling the heat. <clears throat> he may not. Jay's feeling the heat. Jay's feeling the heat. But, but more importantly, this all the root of all of this conversation over the weekend is an owner who is saying, I can't let you guys, you know, give me Pernell McPhee, Paul Richardson, and Orlando Scandrick this <laughs> offseason. Seriously. That's a good point. It's exactly what he's, he's saying. I cannot, Bruce. I love you. You give me cover. You're, you're my voice and face in league meetings and everywhere else, and we're good friends. I cannot do another offseason with Pernell McPhee, Stacy McGee, and Orlando Scandrick. Can't do it. I can't sell any of that. He wants some action, and he's going to get it. He would really love Kyler Murray, yes. but, he's, but he can't get No, he's Kyler not going to be there. He may want Rosen. I think they're going to talk him out of Rosen. I watched a bunch of the games yesterday. Cooley did a film breakdown. I like Rosen. Cooley likes him, doesn't love him. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't think he thinks that Rosen is the right path. And that's not to indicate that the Redskins are feeling that way because I don't think he would know anyway what they're thinking right now. I think that the better option for them. I mean, I think they're going to come to the conclusion that the better option is let's go get ourselves some Antonio Brown and Ryan Fitzpatrick. You realize that the perfect guy for Antonio Brown would have been Joe Flacco. Oh, yeah. Would have been the perfect guy. Yeah. The perfect match. Um, but but Joe Flacco is not the good match for the Jay Gruden system, no. and that's not where they want to go. And, no, I, and by I, the way, they can't sell Joe Flacco. I know. Um, all right, what of these five options, the don't-do-much option, the free agency option, the draft-somebody-early option, the combination of free agency and draft-somebody, or the trade for Josh Rosen, which one would you prefer? I've got a preference, but which one would you prefer? Well, if, it, if I were running the franchise, uh, and again, it's hard to, to say unless you know how, how, how well Josh, I would do one or five. And five would be based on how I have Josh Rosen rated. I think it's hard to judge Josh Rosen's rookie year. He was in arguably, you know, the worst coaching situation in the league uh, with with the Cardinals. He was the youngest quarterback in that draft class of of last year. So he's probably the farthest away in terms of success and development from the other young quarterbacks that, that were in that class. If you really like Josh Rosen, and you have a chance to pick him with the 15th pick in the first round, e- e- essentially. 
uh, at a minimum. Uh, I would I would do number five, but if you're not in love with Josh Rosen, I do number one. I stand pat and draft a quarterback maybe in the third round. I would not draft. I would not trade fifteen for Josh Rosen. I wouldn't do it. What if he was the number? What if he, you have him highly rated? I just right now, without getting into all of the you know thoughts on the draft, I just think this is a draft where you can get a great player like a nothing's a lock in the NFL draft but you have a a higher probable uh, probability of of drafting a great player at 15 than Josh Rosen in this draft. I just do. Josh well, Ro- would, Josh would... Rosen to me, I liked him as a college quarterback. I think he will eventually become a good NFL quarterback, but there's still a really good chance he could also end up becoming Blake Bortles or Geno Smith or uh, Brandon Whedon, or Blaine Gabbard, or Christian Ponder. Like, I'm not, I can't imagine that they've got Josh Rosen, or any team would have Josh Rosen rated as the 15th best player on their 2019 board. I don't think anybody would. If you told me that I could get him for a third, or a package of, you know, a third and a fifth, that's way too cheap. I, I then I might roll the dice. Look, for one thing, I think the Cardinals and then not draft somebody. I think the Cardinals are going to get a lot for him. I think it's. I don't know what they're going to get for him. I. You know what? It doesn't seem. Apparently, I didn't know this on yesterday's show, but apparently Peter King wrote that a third is what it'll he, take. Peter is King, that what he wrote? Somebody Peter sent King me that said, on Twitter. Wrote that uh, Kurt Warner. And an unnamed NFL general manager said, I wouldn't give up any more than a third-round pick for him. Mm, okay. So that seems crazy to me. Seems crazy. But I would definitely, if it only took a third, that would be a no-brainer. Because then you're just saying, all right, how do I rate him versus the other quarterbacks? Because if I really have him as the third best quarterback, and there are four that are gone, and I can get, and I have him as a second-round grade, or a first round grade, and I can get him for a third. You might as well, and then you don't draft the other quarterback. But you still, if you trade for Josh Rosen, I think you still because he's on a rookie deal. I think you still consider signing a veteran free agent if if you aren't sure about Colt. I think one of the things all of this says is that while Jay, I'm not disputing that Jay likes Colt a lot, the rest of the organization does not want to settle for Colt McCoy. Not just from a marketing standpoint, because. We've already seen this a couple of times now, I'm not including sure, last year. I'm not sure you can put Bruce in that category. What do you mean? I'm not sure. I, again, Bruce Bruce has been... Uh, Bruce as, wanted Alex Smith last year. I, I, I get that, but he's also been one of Colt's biggest fans. I, I As a backup quarterback. Well, Everybody's is, a fan of Colt out there as a backup quarterback. Okay. I just don't know that anybody other than Jay really thinks that they can do a lot. Did you hear Jay's comments last week? Yeah. Uh, about I, I could be ignorant, you know, about about Colt. He just he's blinded a little bit by the fact that he's worked with this guy now for five years, and the kid, I say kid, he's a first-rate human being, yes, and a great teammate, and a great guy in the quarterbacks room. And he can do a lot of things. Of course, he never has the chance he, to do he, a lot of he things. He can't stay on the field, right? Um, so, but again, it's hard to say what you would do because you don't know what Josh, what people think of Josh Rosen. I, I if it were me, I do one or five. Uh, I think they'll do four because of of them. What would you do? 
Uh, I'm going to stick with what I've been saying all along, which is I would blow the whole thing up this year. This would be the year. They're not. They're not so doing you, it. You they're do not one doing then. it. You would do one. I would do one. Nothing. I would absolutely do one. And by the way, my I, I would certainly think about drafting a quarterback this year. And but that's only if I really were convinced. But with, but part of the blow it up option would have already begun with me because Bruce would have been gone and Jay would have been gone and right. I would have had a new general manager and I would have had a new head coach and a new coaching staff and we would have been building for the future. I would have taken the cap pain for Alex Smith in 2019. I would trade, uh, you know, a guy like Trent Williams where I could get real value back. Ryan Kerrigan where I could get some value back. I'd cut all the guys that would get, create huge salary cap savings and look at nothing but young drafted players or young players in free agency and target 2020 as the first year I'm going to try to compete. It doesn't mean you don't try to compete next year, but and it doesn't mean that it will work because it Cleveland's really one of the only recent examples and that, it hasn't it hasn't worked yet. No, it has. Okay, let's remember this. It has not worked yet. They haven't played a playoff game to my. Uh, I don't think they have yet. Um, I just, I would start Colt McCoy next year. I would re-sign Josh Johnson if there weren't a, a great court. I'd take somebody in the draft as a quarterback. Worst case, somebody that I thought I could develop over the next couple of years. And if I really loved somebody like Daniel Jones or, you know, with I'm talking about my new general manager. If he really loved, you know, Drew Locke and said, this is the guy. We got to give up next year. We got to give up a second um, and, and we got to give up a second, a third, and next year's third to move up to number six to draft him. You know, that's fine if I can answer my quarterback for the future in this particular draft. But if I'm not convinced, I am just loading up on picks. I'm loading up on young bodies. Trent Williams is not going to be around when I'm ready to compete. Ryan Kerrigan is, you know, not what, you know, most people think he is anyway, and by the time we get to the point of, of, of having a legitimate chance to compete, he's going to be into his early to mid-30s, mid-30s at that point. That would be my option. I, I'm not, I, I don't think – now, if you told me that, it, it, that – that's a separate conversation from if you got Ryan Fitzpatrick and Antonio Brown and Landon Collins and you drafted well and you drafted a defensive – I don't know what they're going to have to give up for Antonio Brown – I wouldn't give up a first-round pick for Antonio Brown. I said that yesterday. I, I think that the, the there's higher risk of complete and utter dysfunction and 80-catch seasons rather than 110-catch se- catch seasons uh, versus the opposite, which is he's a superstar for three years. I think there's a higher downside, more more likely downside than there is upside. Oh, but, oh yeah. If you're betting, you're betting on dysfunction. It, absolutely. Yeah. But if you told me they're going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick, Antonio Brown, Landon Collins, they're going to clear some cap space, they're going to draft a big-time defensive pass rusher at 15 overall because they only had to give up a second to get Antonio Brown, um, I am going to tell you that they've got a chance to win nine games ne- next year. They've got a chance to win that's, nine games. That's, they're, that's, they're, that's, they're re- not, that's, that's reasonable. They're not going to – they're not a Super Bowl no, contender. That, they're not an NFC championship contender. And I don't even know if – by saying nine games, they're a playoff contender. Right, exactly. But, but they are bet, – they will be much better than right now where I have them, which is a double-digit loss season. The six and a half. Yeah. Was the last year's over under? Last year's was so six and a half. So I projected that this year's over under is going to be six, six and a half, somewhere okay. around there. 
I think that's where it's going to be, and I think that makes a lot of sense. All if, that, you know, you're making a lot of sense. But I don't want that. You know, I don't want that. I want option one. I want to. I want all these idiots out of here, <laughs> and I want to start over. But the problem is, and everybody's right, and whenever I go down this path, you all say, well, what makes you think Dan Snyder is going to be able to start over the right way yeah. with the right people? Nothing. Nothing tells me he would be no. able to do that. So let me ask you a question. Uh, and this is just an aside to this. Did you talk about or did it intrigue you at all in uh, who's the quarterback from Ohio State? Dwayne, ha- Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. That he mentioned that he's friends with Dan Snyder's son in a story? I did not see that. He went to Bullis High School. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, Dan's son went to prep first and then transferred to, to Bullis, and that's where he's been. I think he graduated. Well, Is he done at Bullis? Or I, well, he might I, still be there. I don't know. But but Dwayne Haskins mentioned that he's friends with Dan Snyder. So this is the first reference I've ever really seen to, and I give Snyder credit for this, to one of his children. I mean, he has kept them protected and out of the limelight. And I mean, People have never even thought about that. But I thought that was interesting that uh, Dwayne Haskins says he's friends with Dan Snyder's well, son. Well, I have heard that Dan's son is a great kid. Great kid. From multiple people who would have no you know, no built-in bias at all. Is he ready to take over the team yet? <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> the, so the, What is he, 17 maybe? I think that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I, cool. I, I, all year long, I on the podcast, Dwayne Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, all the talk. I, I was from the jump. I was like, I'm not a Dwayne Haskins fan. Somebody's going to make a mistake drafting him super high. Cooley did the film breakdown of, of him last week, and then had it on the show yesterday. And Cooley thinks he has high, high bust potential. Okay. And I agree with that. Now, no one else is saying that. You know, in fact, he came out of Indy and, you know, people are loving him. They love Locke, too. I like Locke a lot more. Cooley apparently does, too. Um, but I, but personally, out of all these quarterbacks, none of them looks like, you know, Andrew Luck. No. You know, in terms of, like, can't miss. None of them do. No, my, my point is about bringing up the sun is this may be the only hope for Redskins fans is like like in a sort of like a mixture of what happened but, in Dallas. But Dan's only 54, 55 years old. The kid's not going to take over or start running the team like Stephen Jones does at 18. Wouldn't you have to wait until he's at least 21? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I think so. I'm just I'm just looking. Is that we, Bruce gets fired next year and Dan's son takes over <laughs> as team president? It's possible. I mean, what would the reaction uh, yeah. to that be? I really have. I I mean, I've never, I mean, this is the first time I think his son or any of his kids, to your point, yeah. they've been kept completely out of the limelight, in, I mean, which is great for the parents. Again, I, I yes. give them tremendous Me credit too. for that. Me too. But I have, I've probably heard this, Tommy, no less than four or five times over the last few years, people who I know who have kids in school with him, right. that he's a great kid. Great kid. I think Cooley knows him really well and says he's a great kid. I think he. I think he's named after Dan's father. Yeah, Jer- uh, Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. 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 Uh, so you know, there's hope out there, Redskins fans. <laughs> um, wouldn't it be interesting to get his thoughts on the way his father runs the team? <laughs> <laughs> um, I. Uh, 
the 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 Rosen thing. I'm okay. I'm gonna make. We made our predictions, but one prediction I'm gonna be adamant, and I'll probably be a hundred percent wrong on. I don't think they're gonna trade for Josh Rosen. I don't think they're going to do it. In part because I think you are right in that the Cardinals are going to be looking for a lot more and than I think anybody's going to be willing to give them. And, you know, here's the one thing that could benefit the Redskins in this process is that there's not really, it doesn't appear there's this big market for Josh Rosen. Right. If Arizona's trying to move him. But I think Arizona would keep him for another year rather than deal him for a third. Boy, that is egg all over your face. Not that they should care about that. You know, I was thinking about this last night because I was reading something and somebody said, boy, the Cardinals would be super embarrassed if a year after drafting Josh Rosen, they traded him for like a second round pick or a third round pick. Not when you bring in a new coach. Well, it, It's a clean slate. Totally. You have... You have you have a new coach with new demands, new ideas. You can easily chalk it up to that. Totally agree with you. But, but, if he really showed elite promise, we wouldn't be having this conversation because they wouldn't be drafting Kyler Murray. If they really thought, uh, so I'm with you that, look, the, new people, new ideas, new offensive ideas, you know, new, new way. I mean, you, you, you change your mind after a year. And it, sometimes it has nothing to do with the player. And it has to do with the people who are making the decisions. But if they saw in Josh Rosen in year one elite potential, we're not having this conversation. They wouldn't draft Kyler Murray. That's a good point. So I, I mean, the only caveat is... Uh, Kingsbury is, you know, has 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 this relationship with Murray. Yeah, but if the team saw that Josh Rosen last year was wow, this is going to be the guy. You're right. They would have told Cliff Kingsbury before they hired him. Yeah. we've got the guy for you. Yeah, or yeah. or we'll go get somebody else to coach the team. That's a good point. So you know, Steve Kimes a pretty good general manager. Has been a pretty decent GM in the league. They had a terrible coaching situation last year, no doubt. And I'm just, after spending a year with the guy, there would have been a, if he were really the next, if he were the chosen one, if he were the next great, you know, Aaron Rodgers type, they wouldn't be in the market that's of a, talking Kyler a, Murray. a good point. Unless this is a, unless they really do feel that way about Rosen and they're trying to generate as much as they can for the number one overall for another team that wants Murray. I don't think that's it. I think no. they're going to draft Murray. So anyway, um, all right, what else on that? That's oh, I want to – so Antonio Brown, you, you, you'd you love it as a reporter and as a columnist. I yeah. understand that. But he wouldn't play for my team. Yeah, m- m- not me either. No. No way this guy played for my team. This is a guy that admitted that he doesn't need football yeah, two this days is, ago. This is a guy who quit on his teammates. Yeah. I mean, not 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 playing for my team, he's so but good. he's got Redskins written all over him. He's so good. <laughs> no, he has Dan and Vinny Redskins written yes. all over him. Yeah, not Bruce. You know, Bruce. This is not a Bruce move. No. You know, Bruce. If Antonio Brown was sitting there and could be had for hardly anything, he'd still rather nickel and dime Paul Richardson's agent <laughs> to get the best possible deal. <laughs> That's why I think that this last weekend, more than any other here in the off season is the first real indication that Dan is desperate, that Dan is frustrated, 
and that the recognition of what kind of economic, what kind of business impact the last few years have had on his organization and where it's headed. Because, Tommy, I guarantee you they are struggling to sell ticket number one for oh, next season right absolutely. now. You don't have to convince me of that. I know it. Yeah. So And, and, and it's a long road back. I want to get Tommy's thoughts on Bryce Harper next. Real quickly, though, on Window Nation. It's time for winter and the crazy cold weather to end, but there's one thing that you need to do. Get your old and drafty windows replaced. Why now in the dead of winter? Because that's when you get the best possible pricing. Window Nation's award-winning installation teams need work, and the factory is running at half capacity, which means insane savings right now. For the next two weeks, buy two windows, get two free. That's two free windows with every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy eight, get eight free. There's no minimum on that. Plus, and here's the best part of the deal, you'll pay nothing for one year. You don't have to make a down payment. You don't have to make any payments, and there's no interest for 12 months. They need to keep their expert installers and their factory busy during this time of year, so you will save thousands as a result. Call now. Call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. You're wasting money on high energy bills by not calling. Get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. There is no limit. Plus, nothing down, and you'll have no payments and no interest for 12 months. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Tell them that I sent you and know this. I've purchased windows from Window Nation twice over the last 10 years, and it worked out for me. Harley, Aaron, Eric, they're the best. They will take good care of you, I promise. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. All right, uh, since we last spoke, Bryce Harper signed the deal. It happened that afternoon. It did happen that afternoon. And I thought about calling you to have you on on Friday, but I just said, you know what, I'll wait till Tuesday so we can do it in longer form. All right. Um, were you surprised? I I really well again. Once the Dodgers got reintroduced in it, you know that got me all juiced up that the idea I may finally you know uh, accidentally fall into having made the right call months ago by the Dodgers. Uh, and uh, you know I give I give Boris credit for in the last week or so actually ginning up a bidding war by getting the Dodgers and the Giants involved in it. You know, the two teams who were real rivals with each other. Uh, but no, I, I, you know, looks one Bob Nightingale wrote in November that he was going to be in a Phillies uniform. Uh, I tended to believe that was going to happen. I mean, and particularly after they, they did not sign Manny Machado, the Phillies were not going to come away from this postseason with, with, with this off season without one of those guys, not when their owner, had publicly declared, I've got all this silly, stupid money to spend. And he doesn't spend it on either of the two high-priced free agents. Once Machado got signed by San Diego, then I think it was inevitable that Harper went to the place that gave him the most money, and that was Philadelphia. On the Los Angeles and San Francisco offers, Aaron and I talked about this on Friday. In many ways, they would have looked better with the average annual on yes. on the Dodgers three million oh, uh, yeah. three year for one hundred forty five million dollar deal I think it was yeah or three for one thirty five whatever it was um, at forty five million per year that would have made I mean saving face is such a an interesting conversation when you're talking about three hundred thirty million dollars for thirteen years but there was a sense of 
what Boris and Harper were going to look like at the end of this based on this process that didn't go exactly the way they thought it would, and would they save face? And I just thought that a $45 million per year deal with the Dodgers for three years or whatever it amounted to be would have been a true saving of face, more than the Philly deal, which included no opt-out. I don't think it would have been. The no opt-out doesn't really... Uh, I mean, mean a whole lot. If he's not happy in Philadelphia, they'll trade him at, at some. There's point. a no trade clause too. I know that, but but he can waive it. Okay, he can say, you know, you, you know, he can waive it. He's in charge of that. Seemed like a pretty sincere long term commitment from both parties, though, don't you think? Yeah, it the did. way the contract was structured, yeah, it did. But it could change in, in four or five years between between the the the, the two of them. Uh, you're right about the face saving. This is why. You know, look, Boris is is such an egomaniac, uh, and the if you'll notice that the the trashing of the Nationals' offer to him back in late September didn't start until he signed his deal with the Phillies. You see, that offer that the Nationals made to him before he became a free agent served Boris and Harper well throughout free agency. Okay, this is let's stop here because this is. Um, this is a you have an issue with the way this offer has been described by many. Well, okay, we'll get to that. But but my point is, there was a, I mean, right uh, out there, there was this three hundred million dollar offer always hanging out there by the Nationals that they made to him at the end of September. This meant that Boris and and, and Harper was it and September I, or November? The end of September. Okay. This meant. That Boris and Harper, and I, I put the two together because Harper's no innocent in this, uh, could go to all the other teams and say, "Look, that's that's the that's the bottom line. That's where you start from. We have a starting point. It's three hundred million dollars." But the perception of the starting point was low to begin with. Based... No, no, it wasn't. It was. No, it wasn't. No, it was three hundred million dollars. I understand what the number was, but the perception at that point in September was still in the four hundred million dollar plus no, range. No, it wasn't. No one was saying four hundred million dollars. They weren't September. saying three hundred. Kevin, if that three hundred million dollar offer did not exist, where do you think teams would have started from? I don't know, but I don't know that it's, it was as much of a help. Oh, it was a tremendous help. Okay. It gave them basically something that they could say, look, this is where you start. What about what if the, teams started what about and the say de- defer, What about the million? deferred money portion of it? Okay. Well, I mean, that's part of the thing. You didn't hear anything about how terrible this deal was that, that the Nationals the offer, offered. Which included, according, according to John Heyman, um, $120 million of deferred which money. Which isn't true. It that's isn't, simply not true. Okay. Okay, John Heyman is Scott Boris's hatchet man. Everybody knows that. Everybody in the business knows it. I mean, Heyman was and, there any deferred money? Yes, there was deferred money. How much? I'd say it was in real value, real money. It was. Look, Bob Nightingale wrote in in January that it was a two hundred eighty four million dollar real money offer. Okay, he did write that in January. Yes. So and it was and 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 it was very close. To that, you know what's interesting is with the Nightingale report. You can correct me if I'm wrong because you probably will. I don't remember that report, but I wasn't following it as closely as you were. Um, that would have indicated at 284 million in present money in present day money on a 300 million dollar deal that there was deferred money. Yes, there was deferred. Yeah. No, everybody look, there was deferred money on the Scherzer deal. There's deferred money on the Strasburg deal. 
I mean, this is the way Boris and, and the learners have done business. So Heyman's report was basically a Boris report. Yes. Okay. That's exactly it. And and it's criminal, not criminal, but it's embarrassing that other people in the media reported that out there. Sports Illustrated, the Washington Post. It was wrong. It was it was just simply wrong. And and but but it again, you got to look at agenda and and whose purpose does this serve? Once they signed the deal with Philly. Then it was in Boris's best interest to diminish the Nationals' deal as much as possible in order to say, look what a great deal we got from the Phillies compared to what the Nationals offer us. I understand that. So, I mean, so it was, but it wasn't in his best interest to downplay that deal until they got a contract signed. You didn't hear, you didn't hear word one out of the Boris camp about how bad the Nationals' offer was All right, this is good. until they this, signed with the Phillies. I hear where you're coming from. I, I would ask this one question of you, though. Do you th- Whatever the Nats' offer was, and let's say it's exactly what Nightingale and what you, you think it was, and that the Heyman report and those that jumped on the Heyman report about all of this deferred money, which made the offer not a real offer, not a serious offer, which is what Heyman tweeted. He said it wasn't a serious offer from the Nats. But regardless of what that offer was, do you think it was an offer from the Nationals that the Nationals thought Harper would sign? No, I think they thought it was a starting point. Listen, the, the, when you negotiate with somebody, unless you're negotiating against yourself, I, I understand you start low and you. Uh, but but you expect the other guy, guy to come back. Did they expect him to come back? Yes, they did, and they never did because they didn't really want. They, because they didn't, they really didn't want to sign a deal here. I mean, they, they, they maybe had, I don't know what their visions were, but uh, Boris and Harper, ne- I mean, again, uh, if you're negotiating a contract, you're not going to say a month after you make an offer, I make an offer to you, and then you don't respond. And then a month later, I call you up and say, oh, that wasn't enough? Let me offer you some more money. I mean, you, you expect a response Did they in ever negotiation. talk again? Did they ever talk they talked, after the September offer? They talked when they went to uh, Ted Lerner's house, like they do every December. Lerner goes out to Ted Lerner's house in Palm Springs, Boris California. Does. Boris does. Uh, goes out to Ted Lerner's house. Uh, and I think that they expected, like it did in years past, that they would get an offer that you know would be like a Christmas present for them. And they didn't get that. And they never countered, never countered with any kind of offer to the national saying, well, you know, that's a good starting point, but we would consider this. You can't, you see, they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to make, they didn't want to put a target out there. I think you're, I, what if, what if they came back to the nationals and said, you know what? We'll take uh 10 years, $325 million. And the national said, okay, what if Boris said, wow, you know, I, I just did. I just screw myself out of more money with in the in the market with other bidders. What do you think the Nats would have would have been willing to go up to? I don't know. I I don't know that because it doesn't always work the way you have suggested that it works. It doesn't always. I, I'm not saying that there isn't always a lower starting point. And I think, by the way, that that is something that uh, should be explored. I, I hear what you're saying, and everything you're saying makes sense. But if that first offer was perceived to be super low, then they could have just said, we're moving on somewhere else. But But, it wasn't perceived to be super low 
until they got the Phillies contract okay. deal. Uh, it, then it suited their purposes. I remember to when make we heard about low. that deal thinking that was kind of low. 300 million? Yes. 10 years, 300 million. The perception I thought, and again, I could be wrong. My perception was that most people said in the moment, because there was this thought that, you know, Bryce Harper was worth, that the deal was going to be worth a lot more than $300 million, that it was low. That For it was a, guy a low who offer. wasn't a free agent yet? Yes. Oh, no, just the opposite. Okay, so the, he, na- the Nationals' offer was perceived as a very fair offer. Let me also just mention one other thing that I, you're not entirely correct on. More times than not, you're right on. But if the Nationals made that offer and their, their true intention was, we want Bryce Harper here, we want to keep Bryce Harper, and they made that offer as a true starting point offer with the expectation or hope that it would be countered by Boris and Harper, you know, Boris and Harper don't have to counter that offer. No, they, they don't. They, they, at that point, you know, depending on the way it was received, they were going to go to free agency, and they right. were going to let the market speak. And, you know, it, 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 the Nationals, if they really wanted him, didn't have to wait for a counter, especially as this thing dragged on. Remember, it's dragging on much longer than anticipated. Yes. So if the Nats had really wanted Harper, they could have gone back to Boris and said... We're upping our offer. That's not totally unusual, all right? Uh, you know, you can call but it bidding nego- against yourself. Yeah, you are bidding but, against but yourself. But the issue is, do you want them or not? So if $300 million was our starting point, and this thing's dragging on, and it's clear they're not coming back to us, and we really want them, it's, it's, it wouldn't be unheard of for the Nats to then go to Boris and to go to Harper and say, look, uh, we got we we've upped our offer. This is our last offer, but we'll give you three twenty five. What for, if for ten years? What if what if Boris and Harper had but, taken had taken the Nationals' offer? The first offer? Yeah, I, they were never going to do that. But what if they did? Would that be an indication that they didn't want him? Well, it would be. Wouldn't what, that would it be? Would that be a sign that say, well, we don't really want you? But we're going to pay you close to three hundred million dollars oh, over ten uh, years. Rephrase. Uh, in other words, ask the question again. In other I'm words, not following. Uh, if if Boris and Harper said when the Nationals offered them the three hundred million dollar deal, said okay, we'll take it. Are the Nationals stuck with a player they didn't want? Uh, I don't think that the Nationals thought he'd ever accept that offer. But what if he did? But he wasn't going to. But what if he did, Kevin? Well, what if he was a female? What if he was an alien? No, no, what if it, he it, really it, wanted to stay in Washington? It's it's not unfair for you to ask the question because they actually made the offer, okay? Yes. So once you make the offer, if you are at risk of somebody accepting yes. that offer, okay? But, and you don't make that kind but, of, you don't make that a $300 million I would, risk I would suggest, for a player that you don't want. I would suggest to you that they had to make some offer. Or look in the court of public opinion as if they just let a superstar player leave. Yes, at and, their b- based on their decision. And again, when they made that offer, the court of a public opinion was that's a reasonable offer. I, I disagree with that. Oh well, you need to go back and check, Aaron. Do you remember it that way? Uh, I remember it as a reasonable starting point, but nobody on the planet expected him to sign a ten-year, three hundred. Mo- Right. Million dollar deal. Yeah. Right. But but that's not a reasonable starting point. It wasn't a low ball offer. But the point is is that there's there was nobody that was in that moment, nobody thought it would be ac- accepted. No, nobody did at that point. Okay, that's that's my point. Yeah, but that's not the same thing as the perception yeah, that but, it was a low ball but the, offer. But but the risk wasn't significant on the Nats part because they knew we wouldn't accept it. 
Well, it was because he could have accepted it. What if his well, wife could. said? What if his wife? What if his wife said to him, who supposedly wanted to stay in Washington, saying, "You need to take that deal." Do you know what I think, Tommy? I think that there's aspects of this that are both accurate. I think that the learners in every business they've ever been involved in, including this business, and remember when they were a potential bidder for the Redskins in yes. 1999, they pencil this thing out to the last nickel. I'm not saying that they didn't start lower you know, from a negotiating standpoint, but they knew what their number was, and they weren't going above it for anybody. And yes, the possibility existed that they that didn't Strasburg sort of accept a deal pretty quickly and not hit free agency. Yes. And, you know, I guess that possibility with a Boris client existed, but I think they would have been fine had he accepted the deal, but they knew he wasn't going to accept it. And they needed to make an offer. They couldn't not make an offer, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I Everything you said about the deferred money is interesting because there's no question that people took this Heyman report and took it as fact. A lot right. of people did. Right, and it was nothing and, but and a Boris fairy and it was, tale. And it was a way to really belittle the Nationals' offer. And, and why would that be? Yeah, no, I understand the, the motivation yeah. on, from, from Boris. I didn't realize that it was very little in deferred money. Not only did Heyman report that it was you know over $100 million dollars, in deferred money. He also reported that Major League Baseball may have had a problem with the contract because it was so much deferred money, including deferred money that Bryce wouldn't have gotten until he was 60 years well, old. That's not simple, simply not true. Okay. All right. I mean, it, again, it, look, everybody in the business knows that if, if, if it's coming from Heyman, it's coming from Boris. What do you think? It's, it's the worst kept secret in the media. What do you think of? I, I, this isn't a unique take. I'm not suggesting it is, but one of the things that uh, we had talked about in previous weeks is some of the reports that Bryce wanted a real baseball town. You know, wanted a real sports town. And I, on Friday, I just made the point that this was always he was going to leave here. He wanted to find a place where it was much more important. He didn't want to look up into the stands in a in a thrilling playoff game and see two-thirds of the people left because it was too cold or too long or the Metro was about to close and they were going to miss the last train. I think that was a part of this. Do you? I think that's exaggerated. I think it's really exaggerated. Why? I mean, the last playoff series, the Metro came and went, and nobody left that ballpark. Yeah, and there were a hell of a lot of Cubs fans in the park. Nobody and Dodgers left that, fans nobody the year left before. that ball. I think no, you're, that was, you're overblowing and no, the exaggerating Cub, the Cub, this now. The Cubs, thing, the Cubs thing was the year that the Metro started and by to the stay way, open when the, when the E when the Indians played the Cubs in the World Series, Cleveland was filled with Cubs fans. Uh, fine. And Cleveland is, is, is... I think Bryce Harper is a huge sports fan. I think he recognizes the difference between a city like Philadelphia and D.C. I think Bryce Harper is a marketing fan. And I think Bryce Harper markets Bryce Harper. And I think this is the perfect marriage. He's got the perfect agent in Scott Boris. The two of them deserve each other. If the Nats had made a $330 million, 13-year, no opt-out, no trade clause, would he have taken this deal or Philly's deal? That's interesting. I think he wouldn't have taken either deal. I think he would have waited. He would have waited. He would have waited. So he'd, he'd still listen, not be in spring listen, training somewhere? Boris and Harper didn't sign their first contract with Washington after he got drafted until 30 seconds left in the deadline. In other words, like, there was 30 seconds left when they had to make the deal after they drafted Harper 
to sign him or else he'd go back into the draft the following year. He talked about in that uh, one of the interviews over the weekend um, from Philadelphia's uh, spring training, he talked about Philadelphia being a great sports town. He mentioned that a couple of times in the fans in Philadelphia and how hardcore. you're really exaggerating I don't. I I actually don't think I am. But besides that, how about the slip-up on the D.C. line? Oh, that's no big (laughs) deal. No big deal at all. I mean, I I don't care about it. I I I care more about this notion that – that he sort of painted this idea that his decision to leave was beyond his control, that it just didn't work out. What does that mean? It just didn't work out. You weren't an innocent bystander in this. Look, Anthony Rendon basically put it on the line. He works for me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, know, were, you, weren't, you weren't innocent in this. Isn't it interesting, though, that the, the agent-athlete relationship, how many different forms it can take? Because there are athletes – no question in my mind that totally rely on the agent to make all of the decisions for them. And that is why you've got so many bad contract decisions being made in baseball well, right now. That's why you have free so-called free agents out there on the market without jobs because they're getting bad advice from their agents not to take the offers that they get early in the process that's saying, wait, no, there'll be more money to come along. And then they wind up holding the bag. I mean, right now, baseball has a free agency problem. It's the union's problem. It's the agent's problem. It's a it's an interesting personality, human condition issue, though, because these players tend to be, when they're signing these major deals, younger rather than older. And in terms of real business or life experience, naive. And the agents become this trusted person no 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 you can't sign here and and the player may feel Cooley's told me this a, a lot Cooley was not one of those players he basically took control you know of his own thing and told the agent what to do but he said there were so many players that he played with that just would do whatever their agent told oh, yeah. them to do and whatever ha- they told him to do and that's why you've got guys in baseball and maybe Bryce now. is that guy I don't see him as being that guy uh and again this note this 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 ridiculous comment that he said from the minute I got in Washington, all the discussion was about where would I go? Where would I go? Where would I go? Like he was driven out of D.C. from all the talk about people. Well, you had Scott Boris as your agent. From the minute you arrived, you had the agent that takes almost all of his clients to free agency. Of course that was going to be the, the, the narrative. Of course that was going to be the discussion from day one. But this no, this, this notion that he... That he was like like Nationals fans and media talked this into existence. Well, it was that, ridiculous. Uh, you know what though? He, he's not wrong. That the minute he signed here, it was but when why? Is he, when is he going to be in New York as a Yankee? Why? If he if he had I, Pink, I if he had Pincus McCoy as his <laughs> as his agent, do you think that would have been a discussion? No, I think. But wasn't he? Didn't he sort of was a he was a Yankee fan, right? Yes. So yeah, that but, was but, part but, of it. But Boris drove that. Boris's presence, whether whether through whether he meant okay. it or not, but if you sign, if Scott Boris is your agent, and you're the most heralded young player to come out of, uh, to come into the draft in decades, people are. I mean, the clock is ticking from the moment you arrived. All right. If F- you're a Rod two, you're going to free agency. Final few exits of questions here. All right. Number one. Um, 
are the Phillies, with everything they've done in the offseason and now adding Harper, are they the favorite or are the Nationals the favorite in the National League East this year? I think it's a dead heat. I mean, I think you could have a team win 89 games this year in that division and win the division. They're going to beat up on each other. You got Look, the Braves won a division I know, last year. I know. People forget that. I mean, they didn't do much, but they did ask, uh, they had Donaldson. Uh, you know, the Mets still have great pitching, you know, and they made some changes. And the Phillies made some tremendous changes to their lineup. Uh, they have to be considered a co-favorite, but the, the Nationals are a much better team than the team that finished the season last year. Much better. Exit question number two. Are the Nats ultimately better off without him or not? And there are two ways to look at this. The roster and then the business of the Nationals. You know, Do you agree it, that there are two ways to look at it? Yeah, yeah, there are. There are. Uh, the, look, if you have an ownership that uh, is saying we're not going to spend beyond this amount of money, mm-hmm. And then you know the, the Nats are, are top six or seven spender in baseball. Right. Okay. Uh, they're better off without them if you're going to limit your spending. If if you're working within a budget, you can use that money in other places, which they did. And every place they use that money, they help themselves a lot. So if you're working within a budget, they're better off not paying him. From a marketing standpoint. Obviously, the impact he has had in Philadelphia with, with the ticket sales and, and the jerseys is, is unprecedented, particularly with the jerseys. Right. And that, and that is going to hurt the Nats maybe initially to some extent. But in baseball, more than as much as any other sport, individual players don't move the needle that much. Uh, winning, team, it, it's much more of a team-oriented sales pitch as much as anything. So, I, I mean, while it will have an impact, if the Nationals are in the postseason next year, uh, that stadium will be filled, and, and, well, they'll, and they'll be selling Juan Soto and Victor Robles jerseys. Right. Just keep in mind, not every postseason game has been sold out. I know you want to downplay that a little bit. but No, they have n- been. No, they haven't been. Yes, they have No, been. you go back to that St. Louis game one was not a sold-out ballpark. You, you might want to check that. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. I was there for that game one. The place was, you know, three-fourths three filled. Okay. It was a day game. It was a 12-noon first pitch. That was the first playoff game in, uh, ever. Yeah, which should have been incredible excitement, right? Okay, so that's um, that. If you're right, and I doubt that you're right. And I was there for the Giant game when the place was a third full at the end. The 18-inning game? Yeah, 18 innings. <laughs> one of the most thrilling games in Major League Baseball history recently. In the, the postseason. The 18-inning game. That's unbelievable. It was the third That you pull. would bring that. Oh, I, I understand yeah. that. And I give them credit to the people who stayed. Oh, you do? It was cold yes. that day. Um, Attendance was 45,000 for that. That's uh, a sold. That's a sellout. Game, by the way. Okay, but I'm telling you the stadium was not full. But they sold out. Okay, they sold out. But did not everybody showed up. Okay. Maybe they were forced to buy the, the all the playoff tickets. Well, maybe after your fifth there. beer, you didn't notice the, the, the that, filled seats. You and I did the show from down there that day. <laughs> we did a show from there, and then we. I thought we both stayed for the game. Well, I know I stayed for the game. I did too. <laughs> um, exit question number two or three, whatever one we're on now. Do you think Bryce Harper's career will continue to be up and down or he'll become consistently great? He has the potential to be great all the time. I think it's going to be up and down. Lastly, will the Nats get Craig Kimbrell or not? And how big would it be if they did? 
it, it, I don't, I don't think it's that big. Uh, a lot of people, you know, would disagree with me. I don't think they're going to get him. Aaron, do you think they're going to get Kimbrell or not? I'm going to say no because they they seem to really want to stay under the luxury tax, and I find it hard to believe that they'd be able to keep him under the luxury tax if they signed Kimbrell. Okay. Uh, I want to get to a couple of other things. But first, real quickly, Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. If you're in the market for something new, a, a Chrysler Dodge Jeep, Subaru, they've got a Subaru dealership as well. Give them a shot. Uh, they're right there in the heart of Fairfax and Fairfax Circle. You can find out all you need to know about Farish at FarishCars.com. If you head out there, ask for Ralph Perkins. Ralph's a great guy. He runs the store there. He's in there every single day. Great rebates right now. Highest of the year. They're trying to get rid of all their inventory. Um, that means great deal opportunities for you. The Jeep Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee, the Wrangler, uh, lots of inventory and great deals on all three of those vehicles. Same goes for the Ram pickup. If you like this show, you've been thinking about buying something new, I promise you that you'll be taken care of. Uh, they will take good care of you out at Farish. Just ask for Ralph Perkins right there in Fairfax Circle or farishcars.com for live inventory, live pricing, and their best deals. A uh, couple of things um, real quickly. Virginia last night uh, was, Tommy, they put on a show in the second half of the game at Syracuse that was one of the great shooting displays of all time. They shot 72% from the floor in the second half, 10 for 13 from behind the arc, and they outscored Syracuse in uh, the uh, in the Carrier Dome, seven, 47 to 19 in the second half. Uh, in the game, Kyle Guy went 8 for 10 from behind the arc. Ty Jerome, 5 for 6 from behind the arc. And DeAndre Hunter, 5 for 7 from behind the arc against that 2-3 zone. So 18 of 23, those three players, on three-pointers. They were 18 of 25 as a team. You know, Virginia is... To me, a team that absolutely has a chance and should be favored to go to the Final Four. And I felt the same way last year. Can they Can they do this again? I mean, not this, but, you know, it's, how much of an exception is this for them to shoot like that? Uh, they well, th- that's an exception for almost anybody. That's one I, of I, gr- not that this particular uh, one, but even come close. No, to it. I mean, you know, they they faced a zone and they are well coached and knew how to handle the zone, and they just got hot and they knocked down everything um, against Syracuse. And when Sy- you know Syracuse sits back in a two three zone, and if you really know what to do against the zone, and you can get open looks, and if you knock them down, they're in trouble. And I've never seen though a half like that. Aaron, have you? Did you watch it last night? The way they went off and turned what was a two-point halftime deficit. At one point, I think they were down five in the first half, and it was one of those games. uh, Virginia was a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I actually liked Syracuse last night and thought this was an easy cover and they've got a chance to win this game outright. And it just it went from being this tight, entertaining game to a Villanova-like you know, shooting performance yeah. Yeah. from the 85 championship <laughs> game against Georgetown, which was incredible to, to watch. Um, can they do this against anybody? Yeah, these are great shooters. Guy and Jerome are great shooters. Quick-release shooters, too. I just, you know, the thing about Virginia and watching Virginia play, and it's some of the same things that I've said about Maryland, Virginia's much better, Michigan is similar to Virginia in many ways. They play this lower possession game, and they are going to out-execute you on both ends, 
and they're just going to bludgeon you to death over 40 minutes with, you know, ridiculous defense, half-court defense, and unbelievable half-court offense. But when you play a lower possession game, it does give a lesser team more of a chance. And we I, s- I get that. But, you know, the, w- but it's what, the way they play. What you described sounds like basketball to me. Oh, I, I, I know what you're saying, but, well, that's not true. The basketball, oh, my God, i got to write this down because I want to tell you about this. Um, but that, the, way, the way you described that, that sounds like basketball. No, no, well, they shoot a lot of threes. That's not basketball for you. I, I get that. They, they made, last night, they were 18 of 25. Let's see what they were on twos. Um, they made 18 threes and 10 twos. That's not basketball but, for you. E- but execution, half-court yes. basketball, yes. tenacious defense, that all sounds like basketball. I know, but when you say that, the, some of the best fast-break basketball in the history of the game was in the 70s and in the 80s. In the 80s. 70s, too. I mean, well, especially in the ABA. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, even in your, your, in your era, when you played in the 60s, I mean, you had some really good fast-break teams and some – Great guard play. I, I don't want to get in, into this conversation. The point here is I still will pick Virginia to get to the Final Four. I mean, I, I don't see many teams that – I mean, Gonzaga – obviously Duke's beat him twice. I think Gonzaga could beat him. I think Kentucky could beat him. I think Tennessee would be an interesting game for them. I think Michigan State would be an interesting game if they're healthy. You know, they, they've, they, they've got to get the big guy back. Um, Michigan, Virginia would be a really interesting game. I think Purdue, Virginia would be an interesting, but there aren't many teams that can beat them. And so if they get beat early again and they don't make it to the final four, if Tony Bennett doesn't get this team to the final four, I would be shocked. I felt the same way last year. And I feel the same way this year, even knowing that the way they play does make them vulnerable, more vulnerable than, say, a North Carolina or a Gonzaga. When, like, well, Gonzaga is a little bit different, although Gonzaga this year is incredible. But Carolina, when they've really got the talent and the way they play, right. it's hard to upset them. You know, they've got a better chance of winning six than a team that plays the way Virginia does. But God, I love, I love Tony Bennett. I love the way they play. And I just don't see anybody beating them until the Final Four. Well, nobody should. Definitely nobody should. Um, I just wrote something down because I've been meaning to get uh, get to this with you, and I almost forgot it, and I'm glad it I did. Is it about King Kong Bundy? No, I'm going to just I'm going to tell you this right now. It's um, not about King Kong Bundy? It's not about King Kong Bundy. You, can, you, you can mention him if you want. Go ahead. R.I.P. King Kong Bundy, one of the great wrestlers uh, in the early days of WrestleMania. Uh, am, am, am I right, Aaron? WrestleMania two main event. Yeah, I mean one of the guys who re- really was was very entertaining wrestler, a great storyteller, and I'd recommend to anybody you go find some of the King Kong Bundy interviews that have been done recently, uh, uh, the stories behind the scene about wrestling, and they're they're great stories. The Bundys for married with children were named after him. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. Um, the other night. Uh, I, I, it was actually t- two or two nights ago, Aaron. I told you I got up super early. Yes, and I started to watch uh, Jason uh, Jason Rosen, Josh Rosen um, film. But um, there was something on NBA TV at the same time. The nineteen sixty three NBA Finals were, really were on television, and it was the way the game was broadcast by I think it was ABC. It was the live broadcast. Sixty three, nineteen sixty three NBA Finals, Celtics. Lakers. This is why I bring it up. This was Jerry West. This was Elgin Baylor for right. the Lakers. It was Russell Havlicek, Kuzi, 
um, Heinsohn for you know uh, Sam Jones, Sa- Sam Jones, Casey, Casey Jones. Jones for for the Celtics. So I'm watching this game, and you know how there have been all these discussions over the years about you know what would this team from this era do against this team from this era. Tommy, I swear to you, you know I love basketball and know a little bit of basketball. I'm watching this, and I've watched a lot of old NBA you know, games before, YouTube or NBA, whatever. And the games from the 80s, I understand that there's a physical difference in today's game than the 80s games, but magic would have been okay in today's game. The 1963 finals, it was game six that they had on. It was the game in which the, uh, the Celtics won and clinched uh, at the L.A. Sports Arena. The forum obviously was not built at that right. point. It was the Los Angeles Sports Arena. Tommy, neither one of those teams would win the WCAC High School League this year. Neither one of those teams from 1963. Okay. I swear to you. It was so, I'm watching this, it's the first time I've ever watched like an old game and said, oh my God, they're not very good at all. Now, Russell had something to him. I watched this for, I I recorded it and ended up watching most of it late yesterday. But anyway, to to, to make my point, Russell, there was something to him clearly, like he was a force, especially in with this group of people. Elgin Baylor, you could see, was quite an athlete, you know, for the day. Wouldn't look that much different than anybody today. Right. Jerry West, I mean, slow, koozie as a ball handler. Everybody talked about what a wizard he was. Tommy, anybody in today's high school, some of these high school teams, they'd rip west of the ball within three seconds. Now, part of it is that there was no defense, and no one played defense back then. You can watch games from the 70s and see that there wasn't much defense. Right. Like, there was no get getting up on somebody and really Actually, defending. I, I don't know what you're talking about, because I grew up watching the Knicks and Walt Frazier. Walt Frazier's one of the best defenders to ever played. I know you. I know you think that, and you. It's the way you remember it. And I'm not talking about Walt Frazier. That's ten years later now. Yes. Okay. Right. The '73 Knicks were in yes. the NBA Finals. Yes. All right. So we're talking about ten years before, you know. And there's also probably, and you need to help me with this. We were probably very much in the early days of real sort of, you know, African-Americans becoming a significant part of basketball. Of course you right? were. So, I mean, you saw you saw a, a lot of it with the Celtics because of Red Auerbach. Right. Then. And, they, I, you know, I, I'm not sure you could even dunk in the NBA then. Oh, yeah, you could dunk. You could dunk in yeah, the you NBA could, then? Yeah, Elgin Baylor, okay. Elgin Baylor was quite a long-armed athlete. Yes, he was. I mean, you could see what people said about Elgin Baylor, but I'm telling you, it was horrible basketball to watch. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't. To me, I could be way off, and I and I'm probably exaggerating this because they these guys were still six seven, six eight, six nine, six ten, you know. So I'm watching it, but the ball handling was terrible. The shooting was good. These guys could all shoot, but they would shoot uncontested. Basically, there wasn't a lot of defense. Russell, you would see flying at somebody a little bit to try to block a shot, um, and Russell had this physical. And, you know, coordinated thing where he stood out, definitely stood out. But Kuzi didn't stand out. Havlicek didn't stand out. West didn't stand out. Not to me. Listen. Watching this from 1963. Watch. I mean, you saw the 76 NBA Finals mm-hmm. with uh, with Phoenix, Phoenix in, in Boston. And you're going to tell me Havlicek didn't, doesn't stand out? 
I'm talking about this. This is te- that's 13 years earlier. Okay. Okay. Uh, there, maybe there's just a massive difference between the basketball in the early to mid 60s and what it became in the 70s, um, because it did become more of a of a tempo game, up tempo, um, a game I mean, of rhythm, da- a had, game of athleticism. More you had Dave Cowens, who was a an undersized but 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 running center. Yeah, on the, on those that, Celtics yeah, I teams with with Havlicek. You yeah. had Wes and JoJo White. You had on that those seventies teams. Yeah, you had Wes bringing you know tearing the ball down and throwing it you know halfway down the court within two seconds. I look. I know Jerry West is one of the all-time greats. I mean, he's he's, he's the, the logo. He's the logo. <laughs> he's the logo. But the bo- the ball handling was so exposed. It I, like today's players, uh, the players in the like Michael Cooper, who was a great defender for the Lakers in the eighties. I mean, really, he w- he consistently won the Sixth Man of the Year award. He was the Lakers' best defender. Although Byron Scott was a really good defender too on a team that were magic. That was not magic strength defense. Um, but like if Cooper twenty years later had played in this game, he would have averaged 12 steals a game. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was odd to watch. If if the next time that's on, you have to watch it. And any of you that are listening out there, the NBA TV, the next time, I'm sure they'll show the 1963 Game 6 Finals again. And just, if you saw it, tell me what you think, because it was not what I would call anywhere, it, nothing about that game resembled what we watched today. Nothing about it. The passing was decent. There was a lot more passing, a lot less dribbling, and the shooting. These guys could all shoot it like this, you know. But wow, the pace. The there's no defense. The ball handling. It was crazy. Crazy well, again. That's you still that's had be- guys shooting set shots. That's before I ever watched basketball, so I'm not going. Well, to. You, I mean, you joined the Knicks in '64. I thought. No, no, no. I, I came along in '68. All right. Um, the, what are you looking up? You you were looking up something. I'm Did trying. You... I'm trying to explain to you that 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 defense was not an afterthought later in that decade, and that Walt Fraser was one one of the best defenders to ever play his position. And for the era, that's probably true. I look. The '80s didn't have a, a, a ton of defense. You know the. the um, People talk, Tommy, about the great 1974 ACC tournament final between Maryland and NC State. Some people call it the greatest college basketball game ever played. Right. It was the game that changed the rule for the NCAA tournament, which made it, uh, you know, they called it the Maryland rule. More on, Back then, only one team from each league went to the tournament, and after Maryland, the, Maryland was the number four team in the country, lost to number one NC State in the ACC final, 103 to 100 in overtime. The next year, they opened up the tournament to more teams, and more than one team per league. But that game has been on TV many times over the years. And there's a high degree of skill. Um, but there was no defense in the game. Like, you know, that that, that game and the way it was played could not be but competitive. But there's no defense in, now. Oh, there's some defense. Oh, there is not. Uh, no, di- different different conversation. It's very hard to defend. And you're right. There's some teams like the Wizards right now who aren't even interested in, in defense. But the capability, you know, when you get to the postseason, remember, I'm watching postseason games. Postseason baseball, okay. 
postseason uh, basketball NBA defense still right is still so in I'm play. talking about a postseason game that I watched right. where there was none in the, in the 80s. If you if you go back and you watch a Lakers Celtics NBA Finals game compared to the postseason games, uh, you know now defense was optional even then. But you know the the problem today is let me make one last point. The problem today with defense is it's just not good enough to overcome some of the Boy, incredible you're, skill and athleticism you're giving of the offensive these players. athletes way too much credit. No, I'm not. You know what? What you have is a class of prima donna athletes that never played defense from the time they were they were superstars when they were the stars of their seven year old team. Never taught defense when they were in college since most of them were in college for a year or two, and have never been asked to play defense. And they still don't play defense. And that's the reason why there's no defense in the NBA. <laughs> has nothing to do with the skill of these brilliant godlike uh, athletes yeah. that you want to god up. No, the, 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 the NBA has, over the last 10 it plus stinks. years, there are now 30 to 40 guys that no one can defend. And the NBA The stinks. best defenders can't no, actually they, stay they, in front of them. They choose not to defend them. Okay, whatever. I just wanted to bring it's it up. I didn't want to... St- you don't think Kawhi Leonard, when he really puts his mind to it, can defend? You don't think Rudy Gobert is a really good defender? Okay. There, he, there's some really good defenders. And I, I, Paul again, George, I, Draymond I can, Green. I can do the same thing from the 70s. Okay. Come Marcus up with, Smart come in, up the, with in the postseason, de- watch him defend. Come up with a dozen defenders. I, I can do the same thing. I'll, okay, I brought this up just to tell you and ask you to watch it. Just you, you probably won't see it the same way I saw it. So I guess I'm asking those of you out there that are listening to the podcast that love basketball, the next time the 1963 NBA Finals are on, tell me you don't think that you could put together a five to compete against those two teams. They were horrible. It's horrible basketball. But for the day, I'm sure it was great. But these people that we think of, like Kuzi and, and West, and the, the, Kuzi and West stood out to me as they couldn't play. What I was watching... There's no way they could play in today's NBA game. No way. But, you know, that's not that's not a fair comparison. I, do, I understand You that. understand that. I do. Be, because uh, if you took those two players and raised them. On the same diet and the same exercise and the same workout and the same. Uh, yes, I know. But you choose. It's evolution. To, you choose. No, it's not evolution. Oh. Evolution is not operating at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, but the way you think. What, what what's what's the what's the athlete going to look like twenty years from now, Kevin? Are we all going to be robo athletes? Different from I don't know what it'll look like, but it'll be different than the athlete we it see will today. Be slightly different. You know what? That's fair, uh, because I think if you just go back fifteen years, it's it's different, but it's not the difference between sixty three and eighty three. The difference between 2003 and what we're going to see in 2023 is slight. The difference between 63 and 83 is significant. Significant. You can come up with the reasons why. I don't know what the reasons why. Maybe it's because the better athletes, the better players, were integrated into the game more as we got into the late 60s, 70s, and 80s. That could have a lot to do with it. Might have a lot to do with it. But I can just tell you this. Koozie, if you took Koozie from 63 and put him on the floor in, in 2019, it would be a joke, a complete joke. Coach Thompson, uh, last, that's, that's I know, Kevin I Sheehan. Know, I know. That's Kevin coach, Sheehan talking, Coach. Um, last thing, the Lakers. Did you know that in last night's game, they were chanting, we want Kobe? <laughs> LeBron's having a difficult time in L.A. Yes, he is. This is really... The first adversity 
I'm not saying that the, the Cleveland teams that he played on that he took to the finals weren't incredible challenges that he overcame, some of those teams. I'm talking about this is the first disaster season and, and for he, LeBron. He seems to be handling it so well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, the, 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 the talk of him sitting down the rest of the year, why is there even discussion about that? He's LeBron James. If LeBron's supposed to be able to carry an average to less than average team to the finals, oh, yeah, yeah, this is a better than average supporting cast in some of the, the the supporting casts he had in Cleveland, and he can't even get them to the playoffs. Well, it speaks to the difference between East and the West, for one thing. We're talking about the playoffs versus the title. I know. I mean, he took terrible Cleveland teams and took them to the NBA Finals in 63 wins. Yes. 66 wins one of those years. Um, you know, but this is not good for the NBA. Uh, it's not good for the NBA for uh, LeBron to to LeBron to be on a lousy Lakers team. It wasn't good for the NBA in some sense for LeBron to go to to the Lakers because, like I told you about a year ago, uh, when we were talking about this, uh, it was going to hurt ratings, and it has hurt ratings because he's West Coast team now, West Coast player. It's hurt the TNT ratings. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. You know, I, I, because I, what's interesting is what is the NBA Finals like? What will a Milwaukee, I mean, Golden State is, yeah, they're, they, they're, they need uh, Golden State. They're a superstar God team. forbid it was Milwaukee, Denver. Yeah. You know, but, but, because Denver's really good. Yeah. But, but, they can't uh, have it, LeBron State. not being the first game anymore on the TNT broadcast. I know. Is hurting them. No, I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, the the Lakers last night that was their third consecutive loss. They lost two nights ago to Phoenix, the worst team in the NBA. Who, by the way, beat Milwaukee last night. Guess who played great? Kelly Oubre is yeah, I know. killing I saw it that. in Phoenix. Phoenix actually the worst team in the NBA has swept Milwaukee this year. The <laughs> best team in the the best record in the NBA. Right. They're not the best team in the NBA, but Kelly Oubre has been playing incredibly well uh, for Phoenix. But the Lakers are now five and a half games out of the eight seed. Um, you know the the prob the playoff uh, probability thing one percent chance now they're oh being given. My God! And so that that's why this question about shutting LeBron down has come up. And LeBron said um, that would take a lot of convincing from Luke Walton uh, on up. Rob Palinka, Magic, Genie Bus. Unless I'm hurt, I'm not sitting games. Um. You know, he, he's had some injuries this You know, the, the groin injury has kept him out of a bunch of games this year so far. I'm very surprised. I thought the Lakers, and I, I thought before the season started and then after watching them play for some of this season, when they were healthy, I would have never guessed that they would have missed the playoffs. I wouldn't have guessed that either, but I never liked that collection of talent out there. I, I was never crazy about it. But again, it's it's LeBron. I know, I know, and he, he's done he's done more with less. They are a bad defensive team. That's one of the things that's hurting them. And LeBron, there's this meme going around where I know, I saw Kyle Kuzma basically pushes him in the direction where he's supposed to go. And then the other night, he took a ball from out of bounds and threw it against the backboard. And he yeah. bounced fast. Like it looks like he is giving up. Giving up. Yeah. You know, and again, when has LeBron ever been in this position? D did LeBron miss the playoffs the very first year of his career in Cleveland? I don't recall. Uh, um,. I mean, because he went to a Cavaliers team that was really bad, obviously. In 2003-2004, uh, 
Here it is, Tommy. He missed the playoffs the first two years and then got to the playoffs in his third year. Well, so, again, I mean, <clears throat> I know. He's, he's on the Cavaliers <laughs> because they old. were stink, yeah. because they stunk. Um, this, though, really for the LeBron James that we know is going to be the first season where he's not a part of what everybody pays attention to, yeah, which is the NBA postseason. Yes. That's, that's going to be pretty stunning. That's going to be very difficult for him. It's got to be. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, there's a lot to like about LeBron. I, I mean, I want to diminish him in any way, uh, but uh, it's going to drive him nuts to have to be a, like a, a spectator for the entire postseason. You know, this also, and I'm just thinking about it because you and I love magic, um, and I, this is a bit of a stain on magic this year, this season. I mean, magic needs to prove that he can build a championship team. Yeah. Which he hasn't done yet. No, he hasn't done yet. You know, I mean, we, we've seen that before. The, the star athlete doesn't always become the star front office guy. No, Jordan. Uh, I mean, Bird got Indiana. You know, yeah. Bird as a— I mean, look, we saw it here with Wes yeah. and on sale. On sale. We, 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 we saw it with Elgin Baylor, with the Clippers. Now, you know, again, I mean, ownership could come into play, but, uh, I mean, it, it, and, and the biggest example was Isaiah Thomas. I mean, the, the, the biggest glaring right. example right. Of, of a front office failure and a Hall of Fame player. So there's no guarantee. Last night in, in the loss. As much as you down, uh, I want to diss Jerry West. He is still the gold <laughs> standard for player transitioning the front office. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, he is. Yeah. Right? I mean. I mean, Ozzie Newsom's right behind him. But Jerry West is the gold standard. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of who else is in that conversation. I'm sort of drawing a blank right now. I mean, Danny Ainge, we thought was well on his way to sort of becoming that here yeah. in recent years, but the Celtics, you know, are 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 really struggling surprisingly. Um, the the Lakers last night, though, uh, I'm looking at what point in the game Co- the the we want Kobe chanted uh, chant started when LeBron missed some free throws um, <laughs> late in what was still you know a winnable game. LeBron's always sort of failed at, at the free throw line in big spots. Um, over the course of of time, but wow, and I, God, and the, here, and I've I've said this throughout the year because I expected them to make the postseason, and they're not. They're not going to make the postseason. They're too far out in a very competitive West. But I would have loved to have seen him and Rondo together in the postseason because there's there's not more basketball brain power IQ, you know, than those two. And and Rondo, you know, Rondo's been playing great. He had triple double last night. Yeah, but you know. We're not going to see it. We're we're not going to see it. And to your point, it's going to be a big, big loss for the NBA playoffs, which already I know I love the NBA, and I know a lot of you don't because you'll tell me why are you talking so much about the NBA. I love the NBA playoffs. I think you like the NBA playoffs. But it doesn't rate well. And without LeBron, it's really not going to rate well. I mean, I like the NBA playoffs less and less. In the Golden State, you era. like a lot of sports lessons. I, 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 no, that's not true. Uh, but I like I like the NBA playoffs in the San San Antonio Spurs era. Not so much in the Golden State Warriors. Well, your Spurs era. are going to be in the playoffs more likely than not. Yeah. Well, that that's good. <laughs> that's good. Um, it's going to uh, the it, actually when we get there, it's going to be very. The East hasn't been. The East is actually open for somebody other yeah. than LeBron. Yes. To get to the finals for the first time in forever. And yet, you know, it's it's odd because the teams that you thought would be, I thought Toronto before the season. I picked Toronto before the season, um, and I and I think it'll be a Toronto Milwaukee final. But I did not expect Boston to be so 
Uh, God, they've got issues. They have issues. Whatever. Nobody cares about this. No, the, no, nobody does. But let me just say, if, yeah. if, if you put your team in the hands of Kyrie Irving, you get what you deserve. Yeah. You get what you deserve. You I know. He's talented, but you can't count on him. Uh, and right now, the Lakers can't count on LeBron to play any defense. <laughs> all right, what else? Anything else? That's all I got today, boss. Uh, any Redskins news while we were on the air? Let's just make sure that nothing broke while we were sitting here talking. <laughs> I don't think anything did. Um, all right, uh, I'll see you on Thursday. Uh, we're going to do some draft uh, talk. Um, I've really not spent – I did with JP yesterday talking about the Combine, but you know, there's a lot more that came out of the Combine. The biggest thing being I really believe that – at 15, especially if the quarterbacks go quickly, the Redskins are going to have a chance to get a real impact player, especially on defense, um, if they stay at 15. Uh, so we'll do some of that tomorrow. Tommy will be back on Thursday. Thanks to Aaron. Uh, enjoy the day, Tom. And look for that 1963 NBA okay, Finals I to will. watch. All right. Have a great day, everybody.